Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I am your host, Wellington Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going? Going pretty good, man. How's everything? It's going pretty good, and um, we've got a doubleheader episode as we're going to be getting into a couple of album reviews, um, some week one NFL topics, and um, also some uh, NBA playoff thoughts as, as things are ramping up to the conference finals. In the second half, we'll um, have our Coach Carter review. Um, but to start it off with uh, Big Sean's um, Detroit 2 review, um, this is Big Sean's fifth solo album, and he had a ton of uh, high-profile guests. Um, this is also the sequel to his 2012 mixtape, and he's dealing with the personal struggles um, and even the heart condition he was diagnosed with at 19 in the second track, um, Lucky Me. And he can um, assume the style of a particular trend or artist that's featured with um you know, Travis Scott, Young Thug, um, Wale, and Lil Wayne, that was um, definitely the case as he never really takes a back seat to a featured guest, but but can keep pace with them. And um, there's definitely more special moments also with, with Dave Chappelle, Erica Badu, and Stevie Wonder with them, um, all telling amazing stories. And this is just an overall, just really solid project. He's confident and consistent. Um, he can be emotionally candid, but still lighthearted at the same time. And in uh, Deep reverence with Nipsey Hussle. Um, they're both talking about pressures in life, both from gang violence, um, the rap game, and personal struggles. And um, Big Sean says, and everybody around me think I'm the one, but we all just one of ones. And I'm walking out the crib. They asked me where I'm going. I told them I'm going on another ten year run. End quote. Um, but you know, lucky me, Lith- Lithuania, guard your heart, and, and harder than my demons were a few other um, phenomenal tracks. Um, but what were your like overall thoughts on his latest project and, and just his uh, career tra- trajectory? I, when I saw the track list, I was like, yo, this is <laughs> this is going to be good. This is going to be real good. Because then you see the Erica Badu, mm-hmm. you see Dave Steve Chappelle. Wonder, Dave Chappelle. Talk. I'm like, yo, this man has really embodied the 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 uh, blueprint to make a great album. Because now we see the times are going on. You get people that are very activated activists that's in the Black community and also icons in the black community to tell their story on my album. That's it. I yeah. don't know if it was his idea or whoever on his team. That was a great idea, especially Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is a great. Dave Chappelle is a great. Erica Badu, I love her so much. Then I, then I, you know, I looked at the track looks a, a little more, and I was like, okay, I love these artists. Okay, okay. Then the one thought my friend was like, uh, I saw it on Facebook. I was like, I hope he doesn't pull a Chance the Rapper. Uh oh. <laughs> And you know what I'm talking about. Chance had all Yeah, these- we reviewed that <laughs> the, yeah, the big day. Yeah, I was like, oh, gosh. It didn't it, it gel. Nobody, like, the artist he got wasn't it. But Big Sean, like, it's... I have mixed emotions about Big Sean's albums. And sometimes he delivers. Sometimes he doesn't. And then I feel like he's better on features. But this album kind of mm. proved me wrong. This album definitely proven wrong. He it was had, in a different zone for this one. Yes, he was. He he seems hungry. Yeah. He, he seems hungry, but he doesn't see. He doesn't feel rushed. It wasn't rushed. Everything happened the way that from the cover art, from from the track list, from everything. Like it was is a great thought out plan. And then once again, the timing was perfect. But the music, man, gosh, man, and he has his own flow. The flow that no one else does. But he did yeah. he did do a little Drake flow in here and there. I forgot what song it was. But Big Sean has his own flow. He has his own rhythm. He comes on beats different. He's just a different type of rapper. And maybe mm-hmm. you can test that to him being from Detroit. But nah, man, this whole album was 
fire from yeah. beginning to end, from the stories, from everything. I was blown well, away. I really was too. Like, 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 what were, were there a couple of tracks, or maybe like one in particular that made you feel as though like, um, that just really like you, you, it had like that replayability where you just kind of felt like you just really went back to that particular one. Lucky me for sure. Like oh, I yeah. love the way he talks. I love I love what the content and a lot of rappers can, you know, rap really well, but don't have content or not really lyricist. And mm -hmm. Lucky Me is a type of track you just put on over and over. It's it's more attractive, but that one stood out to me because he was talking about more. We got we got an insight of who he was and what he was going through. And I love transparency in artists, man. I think that's the biggest thing. That's how you your your audience, your your fans. How you connect with your audience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So lucky me, man. And his flow was impeccable, yo. Like it was just like time. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's different. He's Big Sean is different. That's why I feel like he's a hit and miss sometimes. And I'm like, ah, oh. like when like, he's he on, he's on. <laughs> for sure. And I he did not disappoint. It's another song. Hold up. Let me uh it was lucky me for sure. Oh uh, Wolves, I thought was really, really dope. Yes. Um Body language, it got me. I, mm. I mean, you got Ty Dolla. I think Ty Dolla Sign's a new T Pain, in my opinion. Then you got Janae, Janae. It's just Janae. It's an automatic win of Janae's on there. <laughs> Man, what? And then I love, I love the guard your heart with Wale. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm so glad he got those two on the track. I've been waiting for them to get. He got on the track with Rick Ross not too long ago. And I'm so mm -hmm. glad they got Wale. I've been waiting for that collab for like years. There's, see, there's certain collabs you, you you just want. See, there's also a rumor, Savon, that Post Malone's going to be on Drake's new album. I, I would like to see that collab. I would like to see that collab. But I mean, there, there are certain artists that when they when they collab, you know it's going to be special. For sure. And then you have the Friday Night Cypher was like, yeah, yeah, I like that idea. And he just flowed. He had good people. Like, yeah, Eminem, 40, I mean, 42 Doug is all right. Mm -hmm. uh, Royce, Royce the 5'9". Five, nine, five, nine. One of the best lyricists out of, out west. And of, like, he slept on, I believe, bro. But yeah, he had some good. I mean, I'm really not a big fan of T Grizzly or all those other people. But like those three, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that, that Big Sean has, has really experienced lately is just... Um, a newfound piece in his career and just life. And he started the year um, off announcing a, a Coachella performance. And throughout the year, he's just been finding the right time, the right timing to finish finishing up this project. And um, he slowed down releases since 2017 when he released, I decided and had a collaboration with, with Metro Boomin double or nothing, but he's been adamant about working on himself um, and, and having inspiration for some of the best music of his career. But what are your thoughts on the patience he took to, to like complete this project and him just, being fully satisfied with where he's at because sometimes you can tell with an artist when they're satisfied with a project and when they're not and for this one he really right. did seem at peace with it i think you definitely got to take the time and make sure everything works well and then he was going through like personal battles so it kind of like that hinders you that hinders your like your your flow your your flowetry of the music the lyrics and then he was mm -hmm. in a, he was in the light with Janae because it was like oh he's cheating or something's happening with that so he had to pull back even more but I think when he jumped on um, um, None of Your Concern, it kind of really like Big Sean is still Big Sean. He's just he's yeah. just waiting for something big. Like you can see the the flow. Like it's just 
I think you just have to take your time to make sure something like this, because if you do a project like this and have those different skits or stories in there, you have to make sure every other song is fire because mm-hmm. then you're yeah, slowing it down too much and it, you take the focus off the music. But if your message, what, what are you trying to convey? I think the message was, but the music back the message. And sometimes that does not happen, but it takes time for doing that. And I'm pretty sure it took a minute for, I mean, Dave Chappelle to do it, Erica Badu, Steve yeah. Warner had to sit at a computer and do some things. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I think he, he definitely took his time with that and made sure everything worked well. Because if any of, say, like the music was like trash, but the he got the features, the the, the stories, I think it just, just goes together and it had to take yeah. time. I don't think that was like the idea first off. Like, okay, I want Dave Chappelle. I want Erica Badu. I want this. I want this. Like That I wasn't the idea from the no, jump. I think it, over time, especially like going through relationships and going through like your, the heart, heart condition that he was diagnosed when he was 19, just all that stuff kind of accumulate. Like, okay, what do I want to say on this album? Okay. Sometimes I can't get it across. I can't portray it perfectly, but somebody else can. My story can be rippled in somebody else's story like Dave Chappelle and all those people. But yeah, I think it was definitely like over time graduates, like, okay, I got an idea. Let's put this in here. Let's implement this somehow. And I think that's how that came about. Yeah, definitely. Um, transitioning to uh, to to Bob's Milky Way uh, review, this was his third studio album released in 2018, and this sounds very from uh, trap to a fusion of the familiar with with the exotic, and, and it's just a unique experience. And um, his lyricism has high moments throughout, and the coherence of the album, um, especially when it comes to the vibe, is just unparalleled when you look at some of his other projects. Um, but he concurrently mastered the art of versatility while um, remaining true to his sound. And there's themes of um, love going throughout the album. And it's not a project that, um, you know, dominates the charts, but it attracts a certain type of listener as it's um, curated with control experimentation. And in Purge, he says, uh, like me at the bottom, they probably got better odds than knocking the rings off of Saturn, find it hard to settle. The speech, it don't get, it don't get me bothered in the streets who ain't get involved in, in quote, um, but what were your thoughts on this project and just his kind of overall like self-assured sound? Smooth, bro. Boss is smooth, yo. Like the first yeah. song I've heard of him, like, cause I'm I'm a vivid listener of Dreamville, Earth Game, Jid, Ari, Ari Linux, um, obviously Dra- not Drake, uh J. Cole. Um <laughs> Loot, Cole. I listen to Loot, I listen to Loot a lot, but Boss was just like gradually had to come out. The first song I listened was um, Night Job by him and J. Cole. I'm on my night job. That's his flow. J. Cole copied that. That flow is crazy. That is a crazy flow. And I was like, oh, what? Who is this guy? I'm on my, on my. Like, so then after that, I was like, okay, Boz is, is for real. And then he dropped, he dropped a single off this album. And I was like, Mm, all right, okay, all right, Boz. But no, this man, his his style is so smooth. And it's effortless. <laughs> it's really effortless, bro. And he's a lyricist. He doesn't really care about punchlines for real. And I think with his lyricism, punchlines come out of nowhere, and they're created by the lyricism. If that makes if that makes sense, because some people, like when I write, sometimes I pay too much close attention to the punchlines, and then I add the lyricism after the punchline because I want people to be engaged. But his, it just flows. I'm not saying I don't flow. Whatever. Yeah. But no, it, it just flows. <laughs> his pen is really strategic, and he knows yeah. how to move, like, off 
throughout the beat, like it doesn't matter how he changes the flow, he always be one with the beat. And his music is just like it's like it's like dope. It's like a vibe. He has those up tempo vibe music, and then mm-hmm. it's just like he has a music like Bob Head mm, regurgitation. Bob and Head's regurgitation hypnotist. Like it's just like oh man. Your voice and then his voice is crazy too. Like, but not he's got whole, songs like again. Tribe, then he's got songs like Purge, and he's got songs like the Barack Obama special. It just there's just a variance throughout this whole project. And Boca Raton with ASAP yeah. Ferg. Ooh, shit. Man, ASAP, that, that collab, <laughs> bro. ASAP Ferg is a dope, he dope, man. And his voice, both of their voices like different. So mm-hmm. a lot, man. You and I collab. Do 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 do. Man, that perfect contrast. <laughs> perfect contrast. Barack Obama special was fire. Boca Raton was fire. Trial was fire. Um, blah, which Corey C? Spaceships and Rockets. Spaceship and Rocket was dope. I like the Designer. second feature, Infinity. Infinity. Yeah. Play. That was straight. The, the other one was kind of like, ah. But I don't even know who Corey C is, too. Anyway, I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know who he is. <laughs> like, who is I this? Mean, <laughs> but that track was dope. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've never heard of him in my life. But um, nah, he has some, he has some dope ones on here, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the direction and sonic landscape are two of the most um, important things Boz has said in interviews that are essential and important for him to have pinned down before the release of an album. But um, what does that like say about an artist and, and where his thought process, thought process is at? Like he specifically knows the two things that he always wants consistently in a project, and he's he's really been able to deliver in that. Well, that's the blueprint. And if you, I feel like you should be aware of what everybody else is doing, but don't let that deter you from what your sound is. But be a, be kind of like, okay, that's popping right now, so I'm gonna stay in my lane. So the I mean right. two things you definitely want is one your your DNA. You don't want to take your DNA out your music and make it something else. And then two, you want great production. For sure, great mm-hmm. production. And I think he has that Dreamville does a lot of collabs with dope uh, producers. Uh but yeah, to have those two elements, you have to have it. You have to have your DNA in your pr- production. The beats have to be crazy like I mean, the features, you don't really have features. Just take it from the leader of Dreamville, J. Cole. He never, he didn't have a fever since like, what, 2014? Since after um, <laughs> Born, Born Center? Yeah. <laughs> so if you have those two ingredients, I think that's really dope that he he sticks to his guns and he understands who he is as an artist. He really doesn't care about the streams. Like you said, it wasn't a, a big stream. The biggest song that was streamed was uh, Tribe by him and J. Yeah. Cole, of course, because J. Cole. J. Cole, of course. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't a big stream album, but it's one of those albums. It's like, he, I think he's just a walking vibe, man. That's what that's all it was. And all he that's I the number that, one thing I think about. That's the, the the vibe is the number one thing with him. Yeah, and I think he he implements that every track, every every album, every project, and to have those two elements, it's really dope. You have some some artists get caught up into wanting to be like everybody else and wanting to be a trend. And I don't think with Dreamville, they don't want to be trends. You look at the artists they have, those are not trends, to be honest with you. They're different type of artists. Like, Ari has this um, 8, 60s, 50s type of voice. J. Cole raps like he's homeless. Boz raps like he's just got off the bus and he's tired. Like, it's just like, Earth Game is like super, <laughs> yeah. 
super like they can flow, but it's like sometimes like super weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like it's just like it's just some something it did. It's like I'm in the basin, think of it like it's different, yeah. but they don't care about trends in this crazy flows, bro. Like I listen to Jid, like if you ever have a chance, it's Smino, Jid, and another producer is called Baghetti. I don't know if you heard of it. Play mm, that. I've heard that. Thank me later. It's crazy. Smino and Jid, like, yo, it's called Bad Getty. Play it after we get off the podcast. You're going to thank me later. But nah, just, <laughs> he, he doesn't care about the trends. He just, you know, it's just those two elements. And he does it. He does what he do, man. Boz is, Boz is, yeah. it's consistent, I would definitely say. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Turning to, to the NFL and, um, Last night's uh, game opener in, in the first game of the season, Mahomes um, threw for 211 yards and three touchdowns as the um, the Chiefs uh, won by uh, 14. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran for 138 yards and another score. Um, there was a socially distanced crowd of about um, 17,000 due to the to the pandemic. Um, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Tyreek Hill each caught um, TD passes um, for the Chiefs, and they've won 10 straight dating to uh, la- last season. But what are your thoughts on the Chiefs just having another great offensive performance? You know, they were down 7 nothing, um, score 24 um, unanswered points, and them just starting to uh, uh, get things readied up for another uh, repeat chase. Worth every penny, and I do mean Patrick yeah. Mahomes, I do mean Travis Kelsey, and I do mean the draft pick they got from LSU, Mr. Claude. Worth every penny. The offense looked good. Defense, I feel like, was really a cop. I thought, okay, well, here's another year. They're really good offense. It definitely, definitely terrible on defense, but they picked it up. They went down 7-0 and mm-hmm. then scored. Oh, geez, Louise. In the playbooks, Andy Reid, man. Andy Reid got an extension, Goodness. man. Come on, like, worth every penny. This is one of the best offense I've seen in a long time. In a long time. Like, everybody, offensive line is good. Running back core is good. Quarterback core is good. Not the backup quarterback, the number one quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Maddox. He's terrible. He's been in the league for like 50 years. It's still terrible. <laughs> the wide receiver core is good. Like everything is like. Ooh. Everything's seamless. <laughs> They're going to be a handful again. Yes. I mean, it's just. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And then Patrick Mahomes just looked like he was back in the Super Bowl. It's just effortless. On the run, dying? Huh? What? Patrick? Big time? <laughs> like, yo, man, yo, it's going to be scary seasons, bro. It's going to be Travis Kelsey looked good. He had no wear and tear on him. He looked, he had a great offseason, even through this pandemic. The guys look good. Jeez, man, they're going to be, if they don't go undefeated, they're going to like have to go like 14 and two. I think they lose two games. Yeah. It's going to be a 14 win season for them. It got to be. It has to be. If it isn't, then something's wrong. <laughs> something's going yeah. on. Yeah. And, and 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 for for Houston, um, Deshaun Watson threw a TD and ran for another score, but was also under a lot of pressure and intercepted once. Um, David Johnson gave them the the you know uh, a bright spot, running for seventy seven yards, had a score. Um, and and Deshaun Watson recently agreed to a four year one hundred sixty million contract extension. It's the second largest deal um in league history, only behind Mahomes. And many times throughout this game. He struggled um, to throw the ball down the field against Kansas City. Um, and, and they're obviously missing the big threat in, in DeAndre Hopkins that they um, 
uh, departed from in the offseason and it's left a hole in their offense. Um, but what are your thoughts on what Watson needs to do to get this team back in the postseason and also his extension as th- this is definitely a quarterback you're going to want for a long term, but with what they lost from the offseason, there are definitely holes that they're going to have to, you know, really find how to fill and, and, and try to make um, another run back to the playoffs. Discipline, man. First and foremost, it was a lot of penalties that led it to uh, led to points for Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the discipline on offensive defense was, I get it, first game of the season, going through pandemics, you didn't have OTA, you had a mini training camp, that's about it. You don't have any chemistry yet, you're gone, just whatever. But the discipline has to be better for the for the Houston Texans, especially when you don't have a deep ball threat that DeAndre Hobson is, Hopkins is no longer there. They need to find somebody. They need to look in a free agency. They need to move people around. It's the first game. They're going to figure it out, hopefully. Um, I think the running game has to help out a little more. The offensive line needs help. They made yeah. a couple moves, like last year, getting guys from Miami. But he's getting hit more than usual. That's going to happen when you have a dual-threat quarterback who moves around in a pocket lot, a lot. It's offensive line job is probably three to five seconds to block, and then the the, the quarterback needs to get the ball out of his hand. But knowing that you have a dual-threat quarterback, sometimes you have to block a little longer. Either uh, Deshaun get out of pocket, throw it away, do something else, or the offensive line has to maneuver and just continue to block because he got – I think he was he was hurt with like six, seven times – Got hit on that interception. So, I mean, it's a lot of things they need to clean up. Defense look okay. J.J. Watt looked like he was timid a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Defense wasn't as prolific. It's it's going to get there. Um, it's the first game of the season, but definitely, definitely discipline, I would say. And get the running game going a little more. Get the running game. I know he has 70 yards and a touchdown, but the running game would help out that play action a lot. It would get uh, the guys to get off the pass rushes off Deshaun Watson, so you have to be in a third third down or in longer situations. It's the first game of the season, so we'll we'll, we'll see that gradually change. But the running game needs to get get to a point where they can help out, so those pass rushes don't go after Deshaun Watson. Yeah, absolutely. And um, transitioning to, to kind of like the most intriguing Week One um, NFL game, um, you know, to, to to me, like the the. Clearly, the key market market marquee game is Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Um, the Saints are, are are the deeper team with more proven continuity, and, and, and uh, obviously with Tampa Bay, they're bringing a lot of new parts together with little prep. Um, Brady's brilliant and, and always has been in his career, but um, it, it's one of those things where it seems like it's still going to probably take time for Tampa Bay to get to like where a lot of people are projecting them to be. Like, mm-hmm. I feel as though it's going to be one of those things where they they struggle at the beginning of the season, but then later on in the, in the second half, they can kind of get back to that position of making a run into the postseason. And even though New Orleans has had a history of early season struggles, um, they're still a more proven battle-tested team. Um, to you, kind of like what is the most intriguing uh, week one NFL game? I have to get to give it to um, LA and Dallas. Mm, that's interesting. LA and Dallas or San Francisco and uh, Arizona. And I say, I'll, I'll go San Francisco, Arizona, because Callum Murray, then you have DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald comes back. You have a decent running game. Defense looks a little better with Chandler Jones setting the, the, the pass rush. Then you got the, the fairly <laughs> wounded San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo has his first. Uh, taste of the glory, but did not. He came up short. How does he rebound after this season? First season, he got he gets injured out for it. Second season, leads his team with a lot of help. 
to the Super Bowl, loses. We we see his faults. We see that the weakness is his game. What can he do in his fourth season with the 49ers? That's what I'm looking for. And then you go with a second second year guy. I think he had a decent year last year with Kyler Murray. And they get some more weapons going with DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Then you look at all the missing pieces on the 49ers defense. A lot of guys move. A lot of guys uh, got bigger contracts in different places. Now, what does the defense stand? How does the secondary work? How does it with Richard Sherman? It's a lot of moving pieces that I feel like is going to be an interesting game. That's why I think that's why it's going to be the, the, the most interesting game. Let's see how everybody works out. I'm, I'm, my eyes is on Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. Is that one of the biggest storylines for you for for the league this season? Is how Garoppolo responds to that first case of, of somewhat success and and coming up short to his fourth year and it just his uh, continued development. I think so. I think he's definitely one of them. One of them is Tom Brady. What does he does? What did he do with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Tampa and, Bay, yeah. And Jimmy, I feel like with Jimmy, he ha- he's had a lot of buzz since he's with the Patriots. Led him to a three three and zero before he gets injured. Then he gets traded. Then they go undefeated for the last three games, and then he struggles, gets hurt. Then after the next season, he goes to the Super Bowl, loses. We see the fault, just like in uh, what's his guy's name? Not Carson Wentz. Um, Jared Goff, we see the same same engine in him yeah. as we've seen in, 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 in Jimmy Grappolo. So for him, he's had a rocky career. He's had some ups and downs. He's lost some guys on defense. Mm-hmm. The defense really helped out. Their their running game is Mustard wants to who really helped him in the running game last year. He wants to trade. I think they traded him. You bring back Matt, Matt Bre- uh, Breida. Uh, uh, Jared McKinnon, I think, is coming back. He's been injured for the past two years. It's up in the air. You still have Coleman. The running game, I think, will work out because they would do a one-stretch one, one, one zone type of offense. But what does Jimmy has to do? He has to lead. He has to do a couple of things. All eyes on Jimmy. All yeah. eyes. Because Kittle's going to do his thing. They have the wide receivers. Yeah, Kittle's going to do his thing. Um who else they have on the outside? They have Godwin on the Goodwin. No, it was Godwin. I think it's Godwin on the outside. They have mm-hmm. the guy from TCU, uh, color for hair guy. He was hurt for uh, the second season. But, yeah, they have the weapons. All eyes is on Jimmy to see what he does. How do you rebound from going to the Super Bowl? Is he Will he be like a, a, Jimmy Kel, a Jim Kelly who goes to the Super Bowl and keeps losing over and over? <laughs> <laughs> four times. Four times. <laughs> is he a Dan Marino? All these big time numbers and never get a Super Bowl. What type of quarterback will we see? Because he's been in the league for I think five or six years now. So yeah, uh, all uh, definitely headline. All eyes on Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now transitioning to the NBA. Um, Miami. Uh, they're headed to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since uh 2014. Um, close out the series against the Bucks um, with, uh, you know, winning by nine in game five. And Giannis was not available due to a sprained right ankle. Um, Butler and Dragic both had 17. Um, Jay Crowder had 16 and Tyler Hero 14. And um, this is just, this is one of those series where from the jump, like Miami just posed so many challenges, obviously with Giannis's health later on um, the Bucks, you know, they, they stay resilient for a game four win. Chris Middleton has a big game. Put, um, push it to overtime and um, now it's one of those things where Miami they they with the acceleration of their younger players and also what Jimmy Butler brings just 
fitting in perfectly with their leadership scheme and um, discipline. Um, what are your thoughts on them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals um, and also just Giannis's future and, and what the Bucks do next? Ooh, man, man, oh, man. How about that Jimmy Butler? Man. How about them Cowboys? But <laughs> no, man. Whoa, what a step up from Hero. Um, step up from Jay Crowder. Step up for Bam. Step up from Kelly. Like, those guys really stepped in this game. I think even if Giannis was playing, it wouldn't have made a big difference. Still would have won. They would still would have won. I think they're hungry, man. And they have those, they have those, those pieces, those, those pieces that they were missing mm-hmm. for a couple of years. They did a lot of good recruiting. Whoever's the general, the general manager, I forgot is it was it still um Van Gundy, right? Van Gundy? Is it still Van Gundy? Who's the general manager with the the Heat? I think Mickey Harrison. When did they change? This is why I'm disconnected from basketball. <laughs> I thought Van Gundy was still over the there. owner. The owner is uh, Riley. The general manager is uh, Mickey Harrison. Well, Mickey, oh Mickey, oh pal, <laughs> <laughs> great, great job in drafting. Great job, Mickey. Great job of stealing, getting Jimmy to come there. It was the best thing for you because we see. I know the 76ers are just hot right kicking now. themselves kicking themselves like whoa what do we have we should trade Embiid. <laughs> yeah that's insane but they put it's the front corner and the back corner both like it was in, in hero like i did not know he was my pick Man. though if you don't remember he was my pick yeah. i didn't know he was going to be this prolific this early i didn't know that I, I mean he's so battle tested so calm so confident in big moments like He's built for big moments. And certain Heat players, even from a young age, they have that identity. For sure. And he's definitely one of them. And he's he's prone, like, he's reliable. He's consistent. Mm-hmm. He knows his spots. He's, like you said, he's confident in his spots. Plays decent. He plays good defense. The transition to basketball with the Heat is so fast. It reminds me of the Warriors. Because the Warriors yeah. play one of the fastest transitional offense who those boys run? I'll be just like, hold on, time out every <laughs> every <laughs> every possession. Come out, coach. You got no more time out. Well, water on the court. It's just the water <laughs> on the court. But man, ah, yo, and to to go back to Giannis, man, yo, like something has to give. Something's got to give. And a lot of people are comparing him to LeBron. I don't, I don't like that comparison. And I saw the, this thing on Facebook where he was drafted in 2019, 29, whatever, whatever the case may be. But LeBron James. The only comparison, the, the comparison I can only see that with is what he's experiencing now. It's not the player, it's the experience. Because LeBron, he, in that first run with Cleveland, he w- it was just him and a bunch of specialists, a bunch of guys that were great in regular season moments, but in the postseason, um, it was just all in LeBron to average 38 against Orlando and come up short. But that's the only comparison I can. It's the experience rather than the actual dynamic of, of them as players. But even even with that, man, I, I think when you look at a Cleveland Cavaliers team and what he got drafted into, to what Giannis has, he has a, the lineup doesn't even compare. I think those yeah. boys would beat that Cavaliers team with their eyes closed, to be honest. With you. <laughs> but I do understand the comparison for sure. But for, I think LeBron figured it out, not just leaving the team. I think he figured it out. And I don't think LeBron had that much help with the Cavaliers. I think Mm -hmm. Giannis. But anyways, Giannis has to figure it out. 
you've been the league MVP. You've been the defensive player of the year. You've had some little, little nagging injuries. You have to figure out what's your next step. And what's next for him? Finding your three-point shot, knowing how to create without driving to the hole. You have to, you have to, you have to create your own shot outside of driving to the hole. I think that's his biggest downfall. Because I don't know if you yeah. ever seen the meme. It's like a halfback dive. It was like Giannis <laughs> every play. <laughs> that's his weakness. He needs to he needs to control that part of his game because yeah. now everybody's knowing he's just gonna drive. Either he's gonna miss foul, whatever. And he needs to learn on work on a step back. He has a nice euro. I will give him that as a nice euro step. But he Miami to- wanted him to shoot. They're like, yes. you can take all the shots you want. Yes. And we see what Giannis can do when he's on fire. Look at the Lakers before the pandemic. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was on fire. Five threes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He needs to control that part of his game. That's next. LeBron had to do it. When LeBron came in the league, he was decent at the three-point shot. He's even better now. Because those three, it was a couple years, it was like, yo, LeBron's not hitting from three. What the what the heck? LeBron just bullies. He just plays bully ball. And Giannis needs to... The one game seven, the one game seven against the Spurs in 2013, when the Spurs in that game seven just baited him to take shots and he started knocking them, knocking them down. Ever since that series, once he developed his shot, people had to start respecting it. And that's what's going to have to happen with Giannis. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to compare him, he's going to do the same thing LeBron James did. And then he has to be a leader. Now that, that comes later for some people that comes later. I'd rather him couture his, Couture his game to where he can create his own shot, step back three point, uh, per, from the three point line, whatever, and um, be able to learn how to be a point guard as well. Because the the ball is moving through you, offense is going through you, so be a better facilitator. He has to now, he has to freaking transform like a Pokemon or a Digimon transforms you. <laughs> like he has to transform now, man. To be completely yeah. honest with you, to be get over that hump. So a lot of people say he's 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 hit that wall. Yes, he's hit that wall. Maybe it's the supporter players. Maybe it's the bench. Or maybe he needs to contour his game. So that's the next thing Giannis has to do: create it, learn how to create his own shot. Learn how to. He needs to get in camp with James Harden ASAP because everybody is using James Harden's moves now. The step back mm-hmm. to the side shot. Yeah, he needs to learn how to do that because if Luca could do it, Giannis can do it. Lucas step back is so slow. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and and, and uh, the Celtics Raptors, they got a, a game seven tonight. That game six of overtime was just uh, one of the best games mm-hmm. of the year. Um, the, it just shows the Raptors' resilience. Kyle Lowry has a big performance. Fred Van Vliet, even Norm Powell. Um, looking ahead, like, what do you, who do you have um, advancing from between Celtics and Raptors? And also over in the West, both LA teams are up three one. We're likely to get a Western Conference Finals from yeah. them. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what are your qu- quick two thoughts on which team will advance, and then also um, what are you expecting from um, the Western Conference Finals? Celtics advance. Mm-hmm. I think Kimba has a great night. He'll Kimba, bounce back. Yeah, Kimba's been kind of quiet. I think Kimba has a, a nice night. I think Marcus Smart posed too much defensive wise. Um, and I think Jason Tatum goes dumb, stupid. That's what I'm. I, game seven. I think Van Fleet will be cold. I think pa- they'll they'll lock down Pascal Siakam, and everybody else will will follow suit with the with Toronto. 
But um, for for a Western Conference Finals, if we get that, and it seems like we're going to get it, shoo. It's going to be a doozy. <laughs> it's going to be super crazy, and I'm super excited for it. PG, what are you going to do? We know what we know what the claws going to do. What you? We, what? There's three players we know that we're, we know Davis is going to go off. We know LeBron yes. and Kawhi are going to be yes. are going to be um, amazing. But the 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 big X factor is going to be Paul George because this is this series where he has to play at at an A level. Yes, yes, for sure. Can we before we even get that? Can we talk about right John Rondo? The man yes, playoff Rondo basketball point guard basketball. He had like twenty one points, five threes, nine assists. Like Rondo, okay, Celtics Rondo. Like, what's up? Like, he's bringing to life. <laughs> Trying to win for two franchises, <laughs> right, bro? Like, he's bringing to life. He's making he's making things easier. Like, ah, man, what? And I think it's gonna be a good good matchup with him and Patrick Beverly. Ooh, yeah. Oh yes, it's gonna be gritty. But no, I, you know who I have winning. I think it's gonna be. I think it's a whole series is about PG. It's about PG. What does PG do? I mean, yeah, we still haven't seen. He went off that one game and still like, still hasn't really done that. Uh, Kawhi has been carrying. That's the one thing I'm just, I'm just like, I know LeBron and AD are going to be great, and I know Kawhi is going to be great for, but for the Clippers, can both of the duo play at a a really high level? That's that's the biggest question mark, and also the supporting cast because the supporting cast in this series are going to be crucial. And I anticipate PG being on LeBron, um, or they might switch yeah. with Kawhi, but who's going to hold AD? The sixth man? Nobody. The sixth <laughs> man's going to hold <laughs> AD? Montrezl Arrow? I don't see it. And AD's going to have a feast in this series. <laughs> yo, if Paul George doesn't play basketball, yo, it's going to be a long series. Now, oh, Lou, Lou's, Lou's been kind of slipping, don't you think, coming off the bench as well? I do. Like Lou, yeah. Lou, yeah, Lou has been, well, I think he's averaging, I think, close to 16, 17 points off the bench now. I think he's been kind of slipping. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like that prolific six-man Lou that we're normal, you know, we normally get to see. Um, what it's really going to come down to, Savon, is which is which Morris player can, uh, which Morris brother can play better. <laughs> <laughs> the battle of the brothers. Marcus and Markeith. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. And then as soon as I talk about Lou, that man scored like 36 points the last game. What am I talking about? Yes. <laughs> Why did you let me say that, dude? But I, I still think he was like Look, slipping. I, in that last game, obviously, he, go, he goes off. But I'm saying from what we saw earlier in the series, there were – Denver had a shot to like take a 2-1 lead. They they had a, a major shot to take a two one two one lead and and ever since that game two, uh, I mean that that game three, it's just really been the Clippers, you know, being the superior team. And I feel like that's one of the things where even with the Nuggets, they've got a, a ton of young experience, a, a, a ton of young talent, but the Clippers just talent and um, you know, veteran presence has just been too much. So you know, it's funny. What's going to be the deciding factor? I'm glad you said about the Morris and Morris thing. If they let Joe Kim Noah play, and then he gets under LeBron James' skin, because you know they don't like each other, they don't like each other for years. No, no. That's going to be the deciding Horrible factor. Man. Yeah. 
No, you did you not know that? <laughs> oh no, I knew. I, I knew they, oh, okay. they <laughs> hated each other. <laughs> Bulls and uh for even from Bulls uh and, and Cavs uh, to to Miami, like it's always been bad blood between them. Yeah. And, and and for the East, would you say um before we transition to the, to um to our review, would you say Boston or Miami if it gets to Boston winning? Heat or hot. Yeah, they're really yeah, they're riding they're riding high right now. But the Celtics has a better team. But I think so too. The Heat are hot. I have to give it to the Heat. Six games. Give it to the Heat. If the Celtics is past the, the Raptors. Yeah. That it, it's it's definitely gonna be a series where we see which 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 players, which role players are gonna continue. Because Marcus Smart, he's been, you know, really shooting well. Um, and then on the other side with Duncan Robinson and Jay Crowder, that they've all those guys have been shooting. Extremely well. Um, that's, I think that's a lesson the coach Carter was trying to get the it's, boys. It's going to be one of those series where Miami Anyways, they're flying high and they're like, playing. That's why he was okay with just canceling right games, now. even though they're undefeated. And then for Boston, it's going to be can, um, especially Tatum. If, if Tatum can 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 play at a high level and if Kemba can be more yeah. consistent, I definitely I definitely think that's going to be um, a huge question. And, and is is Gordon Hayward going to yeah, possibly man. be coming back? Too? I appreciate you guys for having me. This was Ooh. this was really good. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed no, chatting y'all. Boots for Hayward. Who's for Hayward? <laughs> you think he'll make a difference in the in the game? Show? I I I, I mean, honestly, I, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, he's not the same Utah Hayward. It would be one of those situations where he's coming off the bench and having to to like factor in there because even from the for the starting lineup, the guys that they have set now are are I think more equipped to to help Boston advance. Hmm. Yeah, he's definitely not the Utah Jazz going anywhere. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Coach Carter review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our Coach Carter review. And we're joined by a special guest, um, Max Peshin, um, a good friend of mine, and was gracious enough to uh, to be on for this review. Uh, thanks for being on, man. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. And uh, started off with the overview for Coach Carter. Um, Coach Carter is a 2005 biographical teen sports drama film starring Samuel L. Jackson, Rob Brown, Shannon Tatum, Debbie Morgan, Robert Richard, and singer Amashante, uh, directed by Thomas Carter. And the film is based on the true story of Richmond High School basketball coach Kirk Car- Carter, um, who made headlines in 1999 for suspending his un- undefeated high school basketball team due to poor academic results. Um, the story was conceived from a screenplay co-written by Josh Gattins and Mark Schwann, who created the TV series One Tree Hill. Um, the film was a co-production between the motion picture studios of MTV Films and Tollins Robbins Productions. It had a budget of $30 million and brought in $76.7 million in the box office and had a 64% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and, and this film just does a great job of um, exploring professional ethics, academics, and, and athletics. Um, but to you, Max, what were your initial thoughts on this film as it was even more than a sports film and dealt with professional ethics um, and academics? Uh, I mean, overall, I thought it was a pretty good film. Like, as someone who played 
sports in high school, it, it was a, uh, it was pretty real. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some of the things, some of the topics they brought up and uh, I, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good film and I, I you know, last time I watched it, I was, I, you know, I, I was reminded how, how much I liked the movie and even, even to today is still relevant, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Savon, to you, like looking back at it, um, what were your initial thoughts um, of it as, you know, it really just wasn't um, a typical sports film. Like the coach, I mean, Co- Coach Carter really wanted to bring into uh, and highlight education was even more important than, right. you know, what they were doing um, in athletics. I thought the movie was a great depiction of what should be done. And I guess you would call urban inner city uh, schools, uh, especially the school system, because it's so, we're so hell bent on, wanting to make it out through sports, but we missed the academic side of things. So I think it was a great depiction of that. And they had an excellent actor um, in Samuel Jackson to, to, to pick that. And I really liked the, the storyline, how it was realistic. It was, it was very, um, you can definitely uh, relate to it a little more because it's not one of those fake, fake storylines. It's definitely real. That's, that's what happens every single day in some inner city. So I really, I really appreciate the uh, the honesty, and then the more of the academics him going to the extremes to do so. But yeah, it was yeah. a mm-hmm. great film. Great film. Yeah, and, and and the star of this film, Samuel Jackson, has kind of be, become his own genre over the years, um, appearing in more than one hundred films since nineteen seventy two, and he's had an, an overall memorable filmography. And there's just so many great movies he's been in, been a part of, like The Negotiator. Um, a Time to Kill, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Unbreakable, Do the Right Thing, and obviously um, Pulp, Fiction, Pulp Fiction as Jules was kind of the epicenter of what many think of as his career-defining role. Um, but to you, Max, what are your thoughts on how he was able to lead this film um, so well um, with him having just an already overall storied career? I think typically, uh, I think what was really good was typically when you know actors at Samuel Jackson's level would do small films like this per se. Uh, it would, it would just be like, it would make money because of the name, but the movies won't, won't, wouldn't be that good if that makes sense. And so right. for me, I thought it was pretty good that he, he portrayed the, you know, the real coach Carter very well, but it wouldn't have worked if the other actors weren't part of the film, you know, like the work that they put in. And I think it, it all kind of, it was, it was a team effort. I would say, uh, the way, you know, no pun intended, but it, it, it the way it is just like, yes, you got Samuel Jackson, but also the different stories from the different players, uh, and the, in the community and different things like that, I thought played well, it made it a, a well-rounded movie. Uh, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Savon, to you, uh, what kind of stood out to you from um, Samuel Jackson's lead performance and just what he's been able to do throughout his career? As there's there's just so many films you can go back to and remember the memorable memorable performances uh, he put in. He did say the MF word, so that was kind of different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, I think he has this this powerfulness and this this demeanor about him in each movie, especially movies that can pertain to you know, um, like Max said, this I wasn't I won't call this a low budget film, but like a lower like a smaller film that he's used to to playing in. But I think he depicted I think it was the aura, 
the 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 stature of how he brought it to life. I think he really, I think it was uh, he was also in a movie called The Substitute. And at the end of the film, he was playing yeah. Russian roulette with one of the um, the Hispanic uh, students. It was like one of those, but not as gory as that. But I think his mm-hmm. his demeanor in his movies is what stands in a part, and he brings the character to life. Um, but the no, presence he has too, yeah, for sure, for sure. Especially when talking to the students, especially when the students try to swing at him the first practice, uh, which was very interesting. <laughs> To try to yeah. uh, to that solidify their dominance, yeah, very intense. But yeah, just I mean, Samuel Jackson he knows how to bring that character out and you know fulfill the role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, trans- transitioning to our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, to you, Max, from one to four stars, um, what would you give it, and and, and why in particular? Uh, I mean, I. I would honestly say it was a 3.5. I've seen yeah, a lot of sports I movies. I've seen a lot of sports movies. Uh, and this was, you know, one of the m- most memorable ones. And I even did some background reading on it and how uh, those those actors train for like 12 hours a day, I think for like three weeks straight, trying to get you know, in shape, trying to, and they, I think they had 70 plays they actually had to run and they had to do all this cinematography, like what, you know, they had to make sure the cameras had the right angles because of the plays and different things like that. So I thought, I mean, you know, I, I thought it, it was, it was a really good uh, sports movie, but then just the uh, lessons that you learn in it, you know, like it's, it's timeless, I would say, you know, cause some of these, you know, he was telling that he was giving the kids some stats about the community and how like yeah. maybe one of one person in your class may go to college. And there are so many communities, even till to till this day, who are still who still have those same stats. And, mm-hmm. you know, but then you have a guy like a coach Carter who, you know, is from the community uh, and is seeing something is helping the kids see something bigger than just basketball. Uh, and so I, I just thought, you know, the way they told that story, you know, everything that kind of went into it, uh, even even Channing Tatum. I think this was his breakout movie. Yeah. I, it actually, I mean, he's not known, at least from my side, not known for to be a good actor. But I thought he did pretty good in this movie uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, I've seen a lot of his other movies. But it's like I thought he did pretty good for, you know, for his like shine. Early, earlier film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I, I would probably go with three and a half. Um, this was a really formulaic film um, that's effective and strong, highly entertaining for, for sports enthusiasts, enthusiasts and fascinating with, with it tying in social issues uh, effectively. Um, but Sivan, um, from your perspective, from one to four stars, what would you give it? I'll have to give it a four. Um, okay. I think with the type of actors that were in this movie, there, there weren't any you know big time actors. I can't hear myself. Um, but you still had guys who normally play those basketball roles. Um, I don't know if you guys watched a film called Fine and Forrester, which is one of my favorite films. Um, I'm sure I've seen it. Uh, what's the gentleman's name? I think it's... I can't remember, remember his name, but um, he's he plays in this film. So it's just like those, those actor supporter role actors that weren't big time, but really did their job well and he took it serious. Uh, I think how the social justice, the 
underlying tones of the black community when it comes to academics. I think it was it was realistic. I think Samuel Jackson played a great head coach. Like it, it just all just seemed like it, it worked well together. Yeah. And I three three and a half emails would just bump it up to a four star. <laughs> <laughs> so we just got room for improvement. Yeah, exactly. It's the improvement. <laughs> I we have that. a high score for these reviews. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. It did get uh, eight out of ten. Those well, seven point nine out of um, um, I don't know what it yeah. got on Rotten Tomato, but sixty four. I don't even care. I don't care. <laughs> oh, guys, why did you say it, Willis? <laughs> Sorry, I said Rotten at the beginning. <laughs> Rotten Tomato. Um, saps yeah, it's, it's, it's a hit and miss sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but now transitioning to a favorite character, um, for me, it was Cruz as the character arc is just very evident with him as he's, you know, the hot headed individual with um, an untouchable mentality. And from him clashing with Coach Carter um, from the beginning and believing he always knows best to him realizing um, his actions can have a deep impact on his future. Um, you really see him have the biggest personal turnaround of anyone on the team. Um, but to you, Max, who is kind of your favorite character? I, I would say I would say Kenyon. Okay. I I, I mean I I feel like his story, uh, you know, especially with, with his girlfriend, like all of that stuff, kind of. Uh, I kind I kind of uh, empathize or sympathize with with his character, and you know, you know, because you're like, it, it kind of pulled me in to to their mm-hmm. situation, and you know, I really love the part where he was talking to his girlfriend at towards the end of the movie where he's like, you know, coach Carr thinks I can play basketball and, and go to college. You know, it's like, you know, you know, a kid, just somebody believing in them. And, and, you know, you know, you, 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 we take that for granted sometimes, but you know, not everybody has those individuals in their lives. So for me, I, I kind of attached to that, to his character as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Savon, to you, who was your uh, favorite character? Coach Ken Carter, man. Gotta go with him. Gotta go with Coach, man. I just think what he solidified, like he does, he didn't waver. He didn't care what nobody said. Look, we got contracts. Y'all mm-hmm. better have certain grades. Oh, you want to swing at me? Okay. You you think I'm not from here? Like. My stay name, ready. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> name is on a banner. I play here. I was the goat here. I'm trying to come back and teach y'all some things. And he, yep. This is how you gonna teach me. This is how you gonna treat me. But nah, like he was, he didn't, he didn't waver. He didn't care what you thought. He was gonna have your best interests in mind. He he really believed in those kids, and it, it showed. But yeah, his his character was one of the best characters to me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a um, given. That you know, Samuel Jackson. Samuel. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen so many of his so many movies. I'm like, how does he? How is he in this movie? And why does he look older in his older <laughs> movies than he does now? <laughs> like, it don't make no sense. I think it's he, like the coming got... to America cameo. He finds his way in any film, right? It was yeah, so like funny, how? <laughs> I think he got like three or four years off his movie because he didn't use the MF word. Because when he used it, I think a little age comes off. Just a smidgen. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that's what might, might have been one of the few that, he, that it didn't happen. Right. Few is very rare. Most very rare. <laughs> so I actually watched an interview from his last night, 
And he actually uses that word to help mm-hmm. him to get out of his stuttering, apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, like, that is a very interesting technique, but hey. <laughs> That's an interesting word. way to get out of it. <laughs> um, I was, I, I, I was stuttering. Was... That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Transitioning to most memorable scenes, I had the first practice where Coach Carter presents his new team with uh, conduct contracts at the start of practice, but Cruz has other plans. Um, also, the come-from-behind win where Richmond High overcomes a three-point deficit with help from freshman Damian to get their first one of the season. Um, push-ups and suicides where the team shoulders the remaining drills assigned by Coach Carter to Timo in order to help him earn, his, earn back his spot on the roster. Richmond versus Bay Hill, um, Coach Carter manages the final seconds of Richmond's road game against Bay Hill. A better life for Coach Carter assures his group of high school players that he will do anything to help them get to college. Um, my memorable scene uh, definitely would be our deepest fear, where the team recommits to improving grades while Cruz eloquently expresses his thanks to Coach Carter. Um, the timeout pep talk where Coach Carter refocuses his team after getting behind during the third quarter of the championship game. And finally, the final shot where... Um, Coach Carter and the crowd watch Richmond and St. Francis play the final seconds of the championship game and fall short um, due to a buzzer beater. Um, but Max, to you overall, like what would be your most memorable scene? All of those. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a, I mean, there's a lot to pick from. But I, I, I actually uh, was rewatching the the last scene after they lost, and I thought it was pretty important of a scene because from the beginning, when you said like coach Carter comes in with this contract and it has these expectations mm-hmm. of the boys, but then that last scene shows you like probably something they haven't seen before where someone walks through the expectations with them, you know, where it's like they're, they failed to win the game, but the game is temporary. The life lessons that they learn on that way where he talks about they go come, you know, he came to coach boys and they became men, yeah. you know, like, you know, I've, I've been in sporting situations in high school where you lost a game and everybody's down, you know, and, you know, people just start saying whatever, but I thought it was pretty cool, you know, cause it's like, yes, a movie, but, you know, in real life, there's so many opportunities for us to, uh, you know, walk through some, some tough times of people who don't normally, you know, know how to, you know, not everybody knows how to experience lost and, mm-hmm. or have people who, uh, who, uh, take interest in them and want to see them do well. You know, that whole idea of like, Hey, y'all can go to college. Like, yeah, there were, yeah, there were so many lessons in, in that whole, you know, and all, all of that, even just showing them like, you know, like this is more, there's more to it than basketball. And, you know, there's a lot more for life to offer you guys. And, basketball outside the community and in college and all that stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Savon, to you, like, what was kind of your overall, like, most memorable uh, scene? I think when they first met him, (laughs) we had those contracts. Mm -hmm. He set the law down. You can see how many people left. Even Cruz tried to swing on him and try to, like, (laughs) set the tone. But uh, he didn't waver. He knew what kind of environment he was in. But he really cared for the kids. And I think that was what bought, you know, everybody bought in at the tail end or in the middle of the, of the movie. Um, but what, that's one of the best scenes ever, just to, 
that change, you, you become uncomfortable when a change comes and it don't, you don't recognize it at first. And then until it's just like, ah, like you have yeah. a moment, it's like, oh, okay. He's, he's really, he really cares. He's just not mm-hmm. like anybody else. And then as soon as he says, uh, well, I think I'm skipping stuff. He's like, a teacher, take touch a, a, a student, man. I'm not a teacher. I'm a basketball coach. coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was tight. That was, that was his MF. <laughs> that was his MF moment, the clean MF yeah. moment. Yeah. And anybody else was looking around like, oh, you on your own, buddy. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> We're not helping you out in this one. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and now transitioning to, to most memorable quotes. Um, Ed, you said we're a, a team. One person struggles, we all struggle. One person triumphs, we all tri- triumph um, from Jason Lyle. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful, powerful beyond measure. Um, from Cruz, um, I came to coach basketball players and you became students. I came to teach boys and you became men from Coach Carter. Um, you're playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. Another one from Coach Carter. And then, um, sir, they can cut the chains off the door, but they can't make us play um, from Jason Lyle. And then finally, We've decided we're going to finish what you started, sir, from Damian Carter. Um, to you, Max, overall, like what was what was kind of the quote that um really like um that you just remember the most from this one? Uh I think it was a couple. I, I really like uh how he was breaking, he was talking to the guys in the library, talking about, you know, like, hey, in your class, maybe one of you go to college, you know, there's a higher chance that you end up in jail. And I, it seems like no one ever sat them down and told them that, and that, you know, that, I feel like that's just so real, but mm-hmm. I think that ending part of, of that, the, the, you know, our deepest fears was really important because, you know, that whole, we can all shine. Like there's enough room for everybody to shine and your light lifts another person's light. I think yeah. that's just so such an important, uh, like a lesson to learn about in life, you know, it's just like, and especially in the times that we're in now. And I feel like people are, you know, the powers that be. And a a lot of the things that we are seeing is like, people just want to lift up uh, mediocrity. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we don't have to all be mediocre for people to feel good about themselves. It's like, we can all celebrate people doing well. And if someone does well, like that, that allows you know, someone else to see that, oh, I can do that too. And, you know, and so I, I really love that, that last part of the quote, of, of that quote about, you know, what's being light and uh, causing other people, sparking other people to shine. Yeah, definitely. Um, Savon, to you, what was kind of like your most memorable quote from this one? I think I already said it, man, to be honest. He was like, yeah, teacher can't, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> coach. And, uh, Probably just the coach Carter's. He's like, yeah, I came to teach boys. He turned into men. I just think that was like a resounding. Everything comes back into fruition of everything that he put and invested in these kids. That a lot of people give up on him because of the mm-hmm. different environments they're in. So just those. I think that one and the last one, just saying how they grown, now they matured in the process, and they invested in themselves as Coach Carter invested in them. So that was really dope. It's kind of like to sum everything all up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now yeah, I, I found, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I just found myself, like, sometimes you watch movies like that, you're like, man, this is corny. Because right. I think mm-hmm. the guy who produced it also did, like, say The Last Dance or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like, you forget you're watching the movie, and you're just like, right. these are some serious, these are some serious, like, lessons. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And Saving and, Life and, Dead was a was a dope film, by the way. Just it really. Was. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who's got a real list? What this? Well, go go ahead, Wilton. Yeah, and and, and uh, now just listening to, to uh favorite part about the storyline. Um, to, to me, just how the recurring uh, reoccurring theme of education w- was at the focal point of Coach Carter's message and him highlighting that sports can only get you so far in life, but an education will last a lifetime. It's something that, you know, we've been talking about for, for this one a lot, and it's something that was re- reiterated a ton in, in, in this film. Um, but to you, Max, what was, like, your favorite part about this storyline? I think talking about how the movie was well-made was the fact that they didn't really talk about do the stereotypical, they had no fathers and this and that kind of stuff. Because uh, it's like, you know, you're in the hood, so it's like there's a lot of that going around. But I think coach Carter coming stepping in and they just, it wasn't like necessarily they needed a father in him, but they needed that consistency. And I think that's important. You know, I, I'm reminded of a, a pastor who said something about like, you know, like Christians aren't like meant to like point stuff, just point things out where we're meant to do something about it. So like, instead of talking about fatherless homes, if you know a kid who doesn't have a dad or something, invite mm-hmm. him out when you go out with your kid, you know, like, Right. You know, and so that, just just thinking about how they didn't like play the cliche, like you know, the kid don't have no dad, and blah blah blah, and you know, it was just like just building on like you know, like you can do more than what's in front of you. You can you can do you can you can dream bigger, uh, you know. And I, I thought those are just more important things, you know, because some sometimes those narratives don't really help anybody. They're just hard and stereotypes, but uh. I thought it was pretty cool. Like they didn't really focus on that, and they but they focus on building. Literally, I mean, it's if you if you want if you want a lesson on how to help young men, young boys turn into men, like it's you know it's it was kind of laid out pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Savon to you. Like, what was your favorite part um, about the storyline? It was realistic. It was super realistic. Yeah. Mister Max early uh, said it earlier that they put in the man hours to try to. Uh, make it more realistic. To, yeah, they running plays. Running plays, 100 plays, <laughs> they had to know. Like, it was more realistic. It wasn't one of those films that had little white kids that was like five, six dunking, just outrageous. It wasn't just an outrageous film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, the storyline was realistic. The environment was realistic. They got a a, a person who portrayed uh, Coach Carter perfectly uh, in Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson. The storyline, I mean, the biggest thing was realistic. It had those those moments were just like, okay, this is this is the the theme of the film. But yeah, other than that, man, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm just rambling. <laughs> yeah. No, it was pretty. It was pretty. It was it was too real. I think it, that's that's part of it. it. Just hits it hits a lot of notes that you're like, man. Yeah, did is that like the thing that surprised you the most, Max? Because like a lot of times was there's there's there have been many great sports films, but sometimes it's just like the typical. Um, predictable ending, but for this one, to me, that, that that's what surprised me the most was was the realistic nature because you don't get that a lot in sports films. Like to you, was that kind of like the most surprising thing um, about this that made this kind of like a a more unique sports film? Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I'm like kind of weird about movies and how they end because mm-hmm. I'm always like asking questions like what so, so what happened now when the guy walked into the sunset? Like what happened tomorrow? Like you know, yeah. but I felt like. First, they threw you the curveball, and it wasn't like normally they would typically go right to the, you know, the, oh, this person went off to college and this person did that. They wish they did, but 
that whole speech at the end that Coach Carter gave them was like, hey, don't hold your head down. You guys worked your butt off. You you had all these, you were doing well. You had these obstacles that you were stumbling and you guys still made it to this game. And so I, I thought, I thought, uh, you know, you know, all that, all that coming together, it was just like, like, it, it, it just made sense. You know, it, it, it wasn't right. like, it wasn't like, man, I wonder what happened next because they kind of filled in those gaps, uh, you know? So I always like movies that end well like that, that, kind of gives you a sense of like completion like okay you know you're not like like for me i know I, i'm always thinking about I, even like people say spoiler alerts I, i'm the kind of type, type person that's like the way i the way you tell me if i, I want to try to think if i can process it the way it actually happens and then mm-hmm. see if what i thought was right and so it's like i don't know i just watch movies a little differently but you know, that yeah. ending felt kind of like a good stop point and so Absolutely. i thought it i thought it was really good yeah, definitely. And before we get to our last topic, Savon, like, like in terms of the sports films that you've seen in the past that, um, that you, that you like the most, it, it, does this one like rank in a certain manner, or is it just one of those things where it, it's definitely one of the best you've seen, but it's just kind of like hard to put in particular where it ranks among great sports uh, films? I'll say top fifteen for sure. It's a lot mm-hmm. of great films, just not basketball, but like, like Bagger Vance is one of. One of the great films I brag about all the time, Varsity Blues, Any Given Sunday, uh, oh, yeah. Facing the Giants. Uh, I never really liked Rudy. Uh, there's a movie called The Program. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows about The Program. Uh, that's my. That's probably one of the first uh, sports movies I've watched. <laughs> the Program? Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, somebody knows about The Program. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. it. <laughs> I felt it. like The Program <laughs> has been at the top, you know, in, in, in the Hall of Fame for me until, like, Coach Carter... <laughs> For sure. And Omar Epps plays in that film. It's a bunch of guys in the film. Yeah. Yo, a lot of people don't know about Program. And it's, they're, they're missing out. Program was a fire movie. It gave yeah. me insight about the college life, what the Hall of Fame, not Hall of Fame, but the Heisman Trophy, how everything goes. But anyways, yeah. But it's definitely top 15. Coach Carter, definitely top 15. And remember the time. It's a lot of them, but I do. Oh, yeah. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Friday Night Lights is another one. Yeah. Sheesh. It's uh, turn to the top twenty. Let's let's move it to top twenty. <laughs> like Friday Night Lights kind of made me sad, so I'm like, I don't like I don't like to watch movies that like that see people yeah, struggle. The ending was brutal. <laughs> it was definitely yeah. tough. It kind of it. We used to watch it before football games. It kind of oh, remember the Titans? Yeah, I said that one. That's really really good. That's top five for sure. Yeah, I mean, Even though they fabricated some of the stuff and it wasn't more realistic than I wanted to be, but it was still a good film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, transitioning to our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think it's watch? It'll be watchable and intriguing. Um, I definitely think it will. As you know, this was very inspirational, entertaining, and gripping. Um, just great messages and lessons of resilience and discipline were filled throughout, which are um, just dispersed um, throughout this film so well. But but to you, Max, ten years from now, do you um, what in particular do you think will make this you know still watchable and intriguing? I mean, the lessons are just realistic, you know, lessons that are in it. And I feel like, you know, especially if you're, you know, you got a group of kids that you can kind of get a message out to that encourages them without really like preaching to them, you know, you just pop that movie in and, it, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, people can, people can relate. And so I think, I think that's why it's, I mean, that's why I was, I was watching it and I was like, man, I really, I forgot how much I like this movie, you know, and you know, how long ago it came out and it just was on TV. I was like, let me watch this. And it was like, I still, every time dude said, coach, you saved my life. I'm like, I, I'm like, 
onions, you know, all that yeah. stuff. And it's like, still to this day, I'm just like, I always get choked up on that part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, save on to you. Like, what in particular, um, ten years from now, do you think do you, do you think will, will still make this a watchable and intriguing film? I think the ending, um, because everything led up to it. I mean, it was based off a true story, but it led up to them not winning, but still learning a lesson. It wasn't like the the big climax everybody thought it was like every other sports fan. Like, oh, they had adversity. They overcame adversity. They won. They won a championship. No, they still have to learn how to face, uh, face adversity even when they take an L. So I think the, the, losses, the ending, yeah, definitely ending was more realistic because a lot of people face adversity and still take L's. But um, it's not, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing. And that's, and that's, I think that's a lesson that Coach Carter was trying to get the yeah, boys to sure. learn. Anyways, like that's why he was okay with just canceling games, even yeah. though they're undefeated. The, the, the wins were, were not something that was the the biggest um, biggest goal for him. Uh, Max, it has been an absolute pleasure um, for being yeah. on this first time, and uh, yeah. thank you so much for being on. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys for having me. This was this was really good. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed chatting with y'all about this Absolutely. about this movie. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winston Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.